Welcome to Happy Times and Places, a Doctor Who episode commentary in which that guy who turns up on far too many of the DVDs and sounds a bit like this tries to wax lyrical and positively about a Doctor Who episode chosen by a friend. Midway sending now, Gunborough receiving now. Yes, hello everybody. I, uh, Toby, hi. I am Jay Butler-Moore and I'm a local government minion in my working life and um, a songwriter and I'm on YouTube and SoundCloud and stuff and I'm in a band called Dirge. But I'm here to talk about my seven favourite things uh, about the seeds of death. Welcome to Toby Haydoke's Time Travels podcast clearance awaited. Uh, Hello. (laughs) I don't know why I did that. Um, I'm not going to say much um, at the beginning. Uh, I'm just going to get straight on with it. Uh, I'm going to turn up the volume on my DVD, which is on um, episode select, because, well, you'll hear why, because it's got this it's got this trailer for the Seeds of Death on some sort of a loop. So uh, that would have uh, that would have uh, made for a very uh, an unclean opening. And uh, if there's one thing I don't like, it's my opening being unclean. So uh, let us begin. I, so I'm on. Uh, episode selection so I'm going to press select you may want to press play however you want to do it some of you I know just listen without the pictures um you you crazy mavericks well we're gonna go in three two one there we go it's the beginning of the seeds of death episode five um uh, we're, and we're sort of going live if you're a patron certainly um if you've listened to episode four which uh, was released as as i record this three or four days ago what that means is that i released episode four without having watched episodes five and six so we're we're, we're pretty much live if you're a non-patron it doesn't matter you get them uh, uh several months later Oh, how do I get them earlier, Toby? Go to my Patreon page. Ah, I used to do this all the time. Um, <laughs> oh, no, only a Doctor Who fan could uh, know the plinky plonky incidental music of Doctor Who. Um, uh, so, yes, I'm I'm going live as... Uh, as as the ice wearer takes quite a while to kill Zoe, but she is silhouetted brilliantly against that inexplicable wall of lights. Uh, but um, that this this sort of works worked much better in the compilation because uh, it, the ice wearer didn't seem to take quite so long because it, uh, it obviously had to wait for the credits to roll last week um, on on the nice uh, uh, and uh, and the temperature had to go up on the uh, handily large uh, temperature thing there um but they do look good the ice warriors um i've i i i know that uh, they had to be very careful about when they when they fell over because you could uh because of the the, the nature of the the neck uh if you uh if you sort of fell forward onto your onto your chest um and your neck carried on going because of the momentum you could you could chop your head off so i know i think there's one in monster peloton where it's lying on the ground where it actually doesn't have the front piece on uh, you can see both pieces on that one, and then they're not quite joined together. Um, so, yeah, he's got it. Yeah. Um, oh, yes. So, of course, of course. Uh, so, um, 
uh, the the Ice Warrior uh, uh, was uh, was was moved by the fact that uh, it wasn't Patrick Troughton last week, but now it is Patrick Troughton. He's gone. Oh, I better go back and look again. Quite what the prone body smack in front of him uh, didn't uh, didn't arouse his suspicion last week. I've no idea. Perhaps he perhaps he just can't see Tommy Laird's. Um, uh, so Patrick Troughton is 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 back this week. Um, uh, but yes, uh, as as I say, as I record this, um, uh, I'm I'm rather panicky. It's actually I've got I'm got to try and get two episodes in tonight, and it is literally fifty minutes before ten o'clock because you know what it's like because because I am essentially d- doing this as live um, uh, in in order to get this out on time. Uh, so uh, as we know, the lights go out at ten o'clock. So uh, uh, let's uh, uh, let's hope that nothing goes wrong. Um, so Zoe is back. And we we have the sa- where's Phipps says Zoe uh, says Jamie at least he has a sort of look uh, t- towards wh- where they've gone, um, but she makes much more of a fuss about the fact that Fushim has nearly saved her life, um, as as well she might because actually much as I'm I'm annoyed at the lack of credit Phipps gets. I'm also annoyed with myself for not choosing Fusion before this episode because this, of course, is his last episode. Uh, Pat Gorman at the back there. Um, uh, oh, uh, so I yes, yeah, so I foolishly I didn't choose Fusion, who would have been one of my six things, seven things, but uh, Jay got in there before me. Um, this is uh, Sir James Gregson, played by Hugh Morton. He's also in the film of Quatermass in the Pit as a snooty journalist. Um, but he's also dressed in a terrible outfit. Can, you can imagine him, can't you? Uh, is, is, am I really wearing this? Can, can, could we have a word with my agent? I, I, normally, uh, I, I normally wear baggy slacks and uh, maybe a polo deck jumper and a tweed jacket. Um, he's quite a good character uh as as sort of testy officials go and i remember in that doctor who magazine uh i i i read before i got this that gave everything away about it it described him as the late hugh morton because at, at that point i think all of the other oh no philip ray was dead i think but but the majority of the cast were were still alive which is uh, the opposite now where actually uh Almost all of the cast are no longer with us. But uh, Hugh Morton's brother... Oh, another brilliant silhouette of the Ice Warrior. I love that. Um, Hugh Morton's brother was Clive Morton, who plays Trenchard in The Sea Devils. So they are a rare pair of siblings to have appeared in Doctor Who. Uh, Off the top of my head, there are the guards, Dominic and Christopher. uh, And uh, I'm sure some more... Uh, will pop into my head now. This foam machine. Now, it's, uh, actually, I like the 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 foam against uh, all the sort of flora and fauna, the, the 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 trees and stuff. But the foam isn't terribly scary. Although I actually like I like the stuff that's on film. Everything just looks better on film. The ice that ice wearer costume looks better on film. It's glistening, isn't it? It's like a shiny carapace. Look at that. I think that's. They are a great design. Hats off to Martin Ball. Um, very cumbersome to wear, but they're a good design. Um, but the fo- I was going to say the foam isn't scary. Actually, the foam going in front of the camera there is is quite oppressive. I think the point I was go. Oh, hang on. I will talk about the foam in a bit. That is Peter Whittaker, who plays Inspector Gascoigne in uh, the 
the faceless ones and he gets a credit in that uh, I, I don't know why because he doesn't say anything but he he gets a couple of special actions uh but he, he pretty much does exactly the same in this episode which is he comes on uh sees somebody that's got it in for him uh, and gets shot because that's precisely what happens to his character in the faceless ones uh, where he gets a credit but he doesn't here he's uh he was obviously a past master, didn't need to rehearse much. They just went, Peter, do your thing. What? Walk on and get killed. That's essentially it. So uh, there we go. Well done, Peter Whittaker. Um, uh, you've had your moment in the sun. Uh, well appropriate for the weather control. Um, I, like, I like the fact that the weather control unit, uh, there's, there's no subtlety, is there? It's either dry or it's not. <laughs> they haven't got a sort of little switch for uh, muggy with a chance of rain later. Or uh, or uh, 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 yes, uh, 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 April showers or absolute downpour, hail, uh, no dry or not. Um, so Patrick Trout is back from his holiday, uh, and it's, has he had a shave? Yeah, maybe. Has he shaved his sideboards off? Uh, I know it's 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 stated. Uh, I think in the discontinuity guide that is. His his uh his sideboards change legs, but not particularly noticeable to me. Not as noticeable as Miss Kelly's costume, her uh, Dolly Bird slug outfit, whatever. Her, her uh, yeah. Uh, 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 finless sex degasaurus, uh, <laughs> uh, whatever else she is. Her, uh, her. Uh, Barbie log, she does. It's got it's ridge like bark, isn't it? Uh, she is very swish, though. She's very beautiful, and she's cool as a cucumber. Um, I so and I, it's funny with the seeds of death because it will never be a favourite of mine for no fault of its own. Because is it any better? Is it any worse than the Ice Warriors? But the Ice Warriors, you see, was unavailable. Tomb of the Cybermen was unavailable. I actually think Tomb is rather overrated, but that's a conversation for another day. And I did before it came back because I'd got a few of the soundtracks. I mean, it was like listening to them underwater um, while somebody poured socks into your ears. Um, oh, poor Fushum. Oh, I'll choose Terry Scully for this episode. I can't because Jay already has. Um, poor old Fushum. But he gets... Uh, oh, and I think Alan Bennion's crutch has split. Yes, it has. Um, uh, well, unless... Unless Lars... Unless Lars a lady. Uh, no, that's a terrible... That's an awful thing to say. But um, anyway, I can't believe I said that. We just suddenly got X-rated on this usually very clean uh, affair. Um, um, I, I do think that the... the the Ice Lord costume is, is very good. That might have to be one of my things. Oh, and that's the other thing they did with the Ice Warriors when they brought them back, didn't they? They they got rid of the they got rid of the brilliant hands. So let's bring back a classic Doctor Who monster. What's good about these monsters? Well they've got a brilliant design. They've got these sort of claw like hands and they've got this really distinctive voice they hiss. Right. Let's do neither of those things. Uh uh, and oh, and is that is that inner flesh part of the outer flesh? Are they a cyborg? I don't know. It's it's a bit mystery what they look like underneath. Uh, the mystery is quite beguiling, isn't it? Yeah, let's 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 uh, let's lose the mystery as well. I mean, I, I actually like the episode Cold War, but it seemed to me 
it did the three things you don't do when you bring it back an old monster but that's just me being a stick in the mud uh this that's great the uh the uh the the silhouette the double silhouette of fuchsia who i think looks rather like david jason in this episode more so than in the other episodes uh and and sla there uh, and that's brilliant now you see if this episode had come back and, and I'd listened to the soundtrack millions and millions of times and then saw that this scene was filmed like that, I'd be like, oh my God, you see so much when you're missing the pictures. But because we've always had it, uh, I, I will always sort of treat the seeds of death as... Oh, maybe sideboards are longer. I don't know. Um, I will always treat the seeds of death as sort of... And the men's costumes really don't help. They do look like Velcroed fuzzy felt with with as i say pan pan just uh visible panty lines i mean visible panty tape um most people try and hide their their pant lines that in the future they is that what they decide to do they reclaim the panty line in the future they go well people can see our pants underneath well uh, they shouldn't be looking there i shall reclaim the pant line i shall draw attention to the pant line and and in the process lose my dignity uh oh space milkshake uh they're drinking uh behind a piece of scenery uh, uh jamie and zoe um and and miss kelly's got a pencil and a uh, a clipboard um which is another sort of thing that my my family would have afforded at the idea that you could do tea mat and uh, would still need a padded paper um but there we go um i like the space milkshake um so what was I saying? Yeah, so the the, the the problem with the seeds of death is is that it, it was always around. Now, um, I'm liking this stuff on film, which looks much much better on the DVD than uh, than it did on the on the on the video. Um, uh, sort of horsing around. Um, I, I think slightly naughtily uh, in in this story sometimes. Um, I I. I, I yeah well we'll get to that when we get to the episode ending but but yes anything about the seeds of death if it had gone missing and come back i th now i may only be speaking for myself and because it was the first video so i've watched it so many times because i didn't have anything else to watch well not much i you know i had for a while i had this and revenge of the cybermen and uh pyramids of mars uh and and uh everything post time in the rani i think that was that was pretty much it um uh so because it didn't get itself lost it and it was very 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 familiar so i didn't have to imagine anything about it to then have those imaginings either confirmed or exceeded um and i wonder if it would have been deemed a lost classic nobody seemed to bang on that much about it because the mind robber was there and that was the obviously the strange different story uh the war games which is you know the the, the 10 part epic um uh to, to to see out the era um the the dominators which um has been chosen for me for this podcast by a doctor who writer actually we'll we'll get to that at some point uh, i love this sequence this is pure troughton i i, I like i i i think he uh when he does when he does funny panic he's brilliant and the and the and the hanky on the face is just delightful uh 
uh, and and the sort of sheer desperation uh and of course it's the gag that it's the last thing he chucks on it and he hasn't said what it is and the look on his face is absolutely priceless oh he's such a marvelous actor and there is just a little hint of a dark smile just at the end of that after the kind of well, would you believe what it is that I chucked on it? So much going on without doing too much with his face. Absolutely terrific. Um, uh, I've actually had, uh, uh, of course, I've had some uh, correspondence, uh, which I might include in 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 the final part. Um, uh, I know that Joe Llewellyn, who's a, a, a great supporter uh, and a great correspondent, says he loves this. Uh, this TARDIS trio and I can't say I blame him um, it's 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 great that Zoe is clever and can sort of patronise Jamie and Jamie is is brave but stupid um, but but not 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 so stupid that he's he's sent up or patronised I mean Joey, Zoe does patronise him but it's it's all good fun bye uh, I love oh, I just love the way he waves <laughs> Yeah, ask ask the computer. That's right. Uh, I've got I've actually got a picture of John Whitty, the computer voice. Come on, da da da. Um, uh, I did a I did a a thing on Twitter where I put up pictures of uh, of uh, actors who played monsters or computers whose faces we didn't see because I thought people would be interested. I have no idea if anything I'm doing is interesting. Uh, So um, everyone's every. I think even Alan Bennion is 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 done in post sync, um, but oh, oh, it's the signal. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, are they going to speak to the Grand Marshal? He he does he does have a. He does have a look of David Jason about him. I do think Slar looks better from the front. I'm not slightly sure about his sort of his uh, otter tail back to his helmet. Uh, I think they they have a cloak in Peladon, don't they? I think the cloak as well, because uh, I think yeah, I think the cloak really helps with the costume. Um, that's what I was going to say about the foam, because Fury from the Deep is you know this terribly scary story with this ominous heartbeat. Um, but the foam in this is quite comical. Uh, Although is it actually, I when I watched this first, I I wasn't that bothered by the foam. It was just like foam. But actually, in in this sort of cleaned up much much better version, uh, I think the foam is actually quite ominous and quite creepy. So my my point may not stand. Well, it's just that it didn't. The foam didn't seem particularly scary in this, and so. Um, it made me worry that actually if when Fury, this, you know, the really scary one, if it ever came back, which seems increasingly unlikely, because uh, that's also got plinkety plonkety uh, uh, piano music in it too. Where the, and similar sort of costumes. Everyone's got those sort of slacks on as well. Uh, the, the, those, it's, the, 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 the technicians in Fury wear similar sorts of outfits. So, and because this isn't, I don't think this is a scary story. The thing that Fury, you know, is 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 famous for being is being one of the most terrifying terrifying uh, two and a half hours in Doctor Who history and you go well well with those things would it be although 
obviously the, the, the that scene that turned up of Mr. Oak and Mr. Quill suggested that director Hugh David really is going for the spooks. But um, who knows now? Um, and who knows if we'll ever if we'll ever see it? I do hope so. I'd love to see. For many many years, it was my favourite story. Of course, it was because I'd never seen it. That's how my stupid mind works. Graham Lehman is the Grand Marshal. What else does Graham Lehman play, everybody? He plays the controller in the Macra Terra. He plays a Time Lord in Colony in Space. He also plays the Time Lord, although he looks very different because he's got a beard, uh, which he hasn't got in Colony in Space, in uh, in The Three Doctors. And he's Price, the technician uh, at the computer banks in the aforementioned Fury from the Deep. What do these parts all have in common? They all are seated. Uh, uh, and I had a theory, which I think is correct, is, um, is that they, yes, they all remain seated. And I, uh, and I, and I had a theory because he's in an episode of Doomwatch where he is on crutches. Uh, and, uh, so I came up with a theory that uh, he was a disabled actor. And I put this to the director of the Macroterra, John Davis, and he said, oh, no, I don't think so. And I was like, oh, damn, that was, that was such a good theory. Uh, and then I put it to Margot Hayhoe, who's the production assistant on various stories, and she said she thought that he was. Um, and then, bizarrely, his son, w who's a musician, was doing something at the Theatre Royal in Bath when I was doing Moth's Ape, My Doc 2 Scarf. Uh, and he was saying that his, his dad carried on acting even in amateur stuff when he couldn't carry on acting as a professional. And he played a dead body in a thing um, when his mobility was was good. And he had he had MS. Uh, so although he wasn't as uh, as as my partner, who's a wheelchair user, is often keen to point out, there is a there is a gulf between being gulf between being confined to a wheelchair and being able to do a dance. Uh, and that some wheelchair users can stand and move about. I, d I don't think he was um, confined to... Uh, uh, he was totally Im immobile, that he couldn't stand up or anything. But I think he had uh, he had limited movement. Uh, and actually, without too much song and dance and, and fanfare, uh, the BBC gave him a lot of work over the years with directors giving him parts where his restricted mobility was not an issue. So... I think that, and so of course the fact that his character is in a moving wheelchair in the animation of Fury from the Deep, uh, some people went, oh, it's political correctness gone mad or whatever, actually um, reflected the reality. He's dead like David Jason there, and now he's dead. Um, but he, he, he was exactly like David Jason there, Fusham. And I think Fusham uh, comes good. What a brilliant character he was. Uh, and he finally... Uh, uh, does something brave um, in in order to help out the the heroes. Well done, Fusion. So his death not in vain. And oh look, Troughton. Uh, Troughton's very good at reacting to the to the death and the tragedy of it. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's a great that's a great final moment for that character who you would kind of expected to at least see it through to the end as well because it's only episode five so one of your main your main guest characters doesn't make it to to, to is to make it rain yes Je yes with jamie and zoe oh that's very good 
Oh dear, so Zoe and Jamie are in trouble. That the warrior was seen, there we go. Do, do, do. Um, uh, so yes, uh, that's Troughton running on the spot there, even though we're on film and should have a bit more space. Uh, but doesn't the film look gorgeous? Uh, would, would Doctor have looked better if it was all made on film? Probably. But uh, that's a pipe dream. Uh, and it's all telly in it. All telly in those days was a mixture of the two, but they certainly get more done. I think the foam here looks absolutely magnificent. Uh, I don't know why coming into this, I was, I was worried it wasn't, uh, it, 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 it wasn't scary. I mean, Troughton does horse about in it a bit, um, and and I know for this cliffhanger, he, he he put his hand over his head in a funny way in order to um, make it less scary for the kids. I have to say, I think Troughton's brilliant, but I, I, I'm not sure how good an idea that is. <laughs> but this is this this is quite funny, but deliberate, deliberately so. Um, but that's great. But the foam is really scary. The foam, is, but but for the audience who've had the web in the web of fear, which was partially foam, it's had the the, the foam from Fury from the Deep, and now foam again. Uh, do you think? Do you think they were going? Uh, uh, I, uh, are we having more foam in Doctor Who? Um, now, I think this is one of those rare Perils of Pauline moments, isn't it? Where um, we we get a load of extra material before we get back to the cliffhanger next week. So we've left, we've left Jamie and Zoe with the sort of Ice Warrior. Uh, and, and I've got a feeling that some of, there's some additional business... Uh, Oh dear. Is this, the, yeah, that, yes. So that's a slightly silly move from Patrick Chowton. Uh, and I think we get, uh, we get some extra business next week. Uh, however, uh, that was rather fun. Uh, so um, I've got to decide on my favorite thing. Now, I would maybe say Fushum's death because it gives because that then i can sort of which is probably gonna it's it's not gonna help me any because i suspect jay you know having played the fushim card is not now not going to mention fushim again but i feel very strongly that uh that i should have chosen fushim as a character which i and as a performance which i now cannot do because uh because jay beat me to it that's them's the rules um, I'm just going to silence the trailer. Um, but if I if I choose Fushim's death scene, that moment where the cowardly guy comes good, um, and you know does something brave at the cost of his life, which gives us a high point of drama, but a nice conclusion to an important character, brilliantly played by the late uh, Terry Scully, who I think had a had a tricky life, and that was reflected in in his performances which were often people uh you know just a little bit on the edge so we benefited uh from that um bless him so i am choosing F yes fushum's demise so what has jay chosen for good thing number five so number five um i'm going for the ice lords um the just the design of them, of the sort of mask there. I mean, I guess there's a bit of a debate about 
once you get things like the Ice Lords and Davros with the Daleks, that the Ice Warriors or the Daleks become kind of henchmen. Um, I don't mind that. I do really love the Ice Lords, um, the performance of the guy who plays Slarth. Um, and of course, in this episode, you can't forget the amazing sparkly disco Ice Lord, who's Slarth's boss. When you get to be at a certain point in the Ice Warrior hierarchy, obviously you get the glittery helmet with all the sparkles on it. Um, brilliant. Uh, yeah. Um, and in fact, uh, there's something about uh, the the Ice Lords that I, I was sort of saving for next week, which I will. I will. I'll save it all for next week. Um, I knew I was falling on my sword there. Um, the Ice Lords are great. Alan Bennion. Uh, plays them all apart from the the grand marshal because he's he's in the curse and the monster of peladon uh he, he is the definitive ice lord excellent actor sadly never got to uh to meet him um okay so uh that is the end of the seeds of death um i don't want you to be too scared of this episode ending so i'm putting my hand over my head in a needlessly comical fashion <laughs> Uh, and I will see you next time. Thanks very much. Oh, I turned to, into the commander from the Ark there, who is who is almost as sibilant as the. Uh, well, they they will uh, they will be put onto micro cell slides. He's one of the impressions I could. We are in the fifty seventh segment of time. Uh, that's that's my impression of the commander from the Ark, which has got nothing to do with this story at all. But. <laughs> Just in case you weren't sure how much of a stream of consciousness these blooming things are. See you next time. Ta-ta. Thanks so much for listening to Happy Times and Places, in which Jay Butler Moore told me, Toby Haydoke, the best things about the seeds of death. The patrons of this podcast, to whom I am indebted, include Chris Davis... Edward Salt, Paul Ingerson, Robert Jewell, Christopher Joyce, Judith Jackson, William Keith, Matthew Kilburn, Andy Kitching, Hendrik Korzeniowski, Andrew Lester, Andrew Llewellyn, Jakob Lumley, Nate Lynch, Darrell McLean, Pitt Maidley, Nick Mellish, James Miller, Justin E. Monaghan, Jeremiah O'Connor, Mark Trevor Owen, Russell Parker, Phil Pascoe, Richard Patey, Ken Patterson, Thomas Payne, John Pettigrew, Liam Price, Corridors, Rachel T.S. and Peter Reed. The music for this podcast is by Dave Gates and the artwork by Dylan Patterson. And if you'd like your name to join the lovely list I just read out there, all you have to do is go to patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydoke and become a patron of this podcast series from as little as £3 per month. You even get a 10% discount on that if you sign up for a whole year. There are bonus goodies and advance releases and some extra material. However, I know that that's some kind of a commitment that not everybody can afford or is inclined to do, and that's absolutely fair enough. However, if you want to do a one-off donation to keep me in coffee and vim, uh, you can go to ko forward slash 
Toby Haydock, and uh, pop some pennies into my purse there. However, I know that times are tough, and I know that we consume things for free these days, and again, I'm absolutely fine with that. However, do you know what costs you nothing? Going to iTunes and giving me five stars, and perhaps some nice words of encouragement, so that passing algorithm tweakers can uh, get an idea of the quality, uh, if you deem it so to be, of this stuff, and it may lure more users to my little podcasting boudoir. Um, thanks. If you're hanging around Manchester at a loose end, I do live comedy with special guests, the cream of the live stand-up comedy circuit at Excess Malarkey at 8pm every Tuesday at the Breadshed in Manchester. We also do an online version of the show, twitch.tv forward slash excessmalarkey on the first Sunday of every month. That is free, although we do encourage donations. And you can follow me on Twitter at Toby Haydoke. I've made a rod for my own back uh, by doing post-credits things now that about two people have noticed. So you two, it's your blooming fault. Don't I do enough? So that's the post-credits bit, just for you. Yeah.